Hey guys, welcome to The Cam Show. I'm your host, Cameron, and in our first episode, we're going to take a look at the recent SpaceX launch. Here we go. This week, my guest is going to be Dhruv. Hey, Dhruv. Hi. How are you? Uh, pretty good. What did you think of the launch? Um, it was really exciting. Yeah, really impressive, honestly. Like after uh, the explosion yesterday, wasn't feeling so good, but everything worked out. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, yesterday SpaceX's Starship SN4 prototype uh, that exploded uh, after their fifth static fire. Thankfully, no one is injured. No one is on there. But um, that was some really sad news. It's going to set them back a couple of months. Yeah, and uh, this launch comes after getting delayed. It was supposed to launch on Wednesday, but because of the weather, they just yeah. weren't able to get it done. Yes. Um, so the original launch was scheduled for May 27th at uh, 1.33 p.m. E- uh, Pacific daytime but then they it was moved to um it was moved to saturday may 30th for 12:33 p.m. uh pacific daytime uh and uh, originally the first launch was uh, scrubbed due to weather concerns uh there was too much electricity in the atmosphere and that was a, a huge liability so they postponed it to today which is when we're recording this. And man, I can't tell you, that was an amazing sight. Yeah, it really was. Okay, so, uh, you know, what precautions were they taking because of the whole coronavirus situation? You know, a lot of people are involved in getting rocket off the ground. Yeah. So what were they doing to make sure everybody stayed safe? Um, so, as you know, their uh, mission control is in Hawthorne, California, for SpaceX. So, um, not only did we have people in Florida, but we also have people in Hawthorne, California. So, if you, you can think of this as like a fully nationwide event. And some precautions, the number one precaution they took is they discouraged people to come. Uh, they were asking people to to stay safe, stay home. It's going to be the same. There's, there's going to be more launches there might even be bigger launches in the future so they were just asking people to stay home you don't need to risk your life just to yeah and uh, on the stream you were seeing everybody in uh, mission control everybody was social distancing and wearing masks mm-hmm. yeah and, and then, so uh, sorry um one more thing i wanted to add was astronauts and ground staff were quarantined prior to the launch for a couple of weeks. Of course, that is standard procedure, but their quarantine was probably enhanced because of the whole global pandemic. And uh, NASA also invited select press members, so that was a limited amount of people on the ground. And finally, uh, the ground staff that were escorting the astronauts, Doug and Bob, to the uh, crew dragon capsule uh they were wearing masks goggles and clean suits uh which would all protect astronauts yeah so uh you know why all the uh you know attention being given to this launch what's so significant about it yeah so um drew you can probably expand on this but this will be the first time a commercial or non-government owned company aerospace company is carrying humans into earth orbit yeah that was uh you know it's a really big milestone normally all this work has been done by the government itself internally and it'll also be the first time that the united states has sent its own astronauts into space by itself on its soil in over 10 years and before this they mostly relied on sending their uh, astronauts to russia to hitch a ride on the russian soyuz spacecraft which have been used since the 60s, you know. Those are old rockets. Yeah, how do you think the Soyuz managed to stay active this long? 
Well, I mean, it's a really uh, reliable, uh, you know, rocket. I'm pretty sure it's been considered the safest rocket or the most reliable. Like it had, it's had the most successful launches. Really? That's yeah. really interesting. Um, I would have expected the Soyuz. I mean, usually the Russian, let's just say the early Russian um, spacecraft were pretty much death traps for the cosmonauts. So, I mean, come on. Imagine being strapped onto a literal bomb, a controlled bomb, and then being flown out of Earth. It's kind of, kind of nerve-wracking for the cosmonauts. But, hey, they were the first people in space, and here we are. Okay, that analogy is made so much better by the knowledge that the early Russian spacecraft were literally ballistic missiles, just modified. Right. Like, that's crazy. They just were literally sending their people into space on the back of a missile. Yeah, and so the signif another significant aspect of this launch is that NASA is actually the customer in this time, in this launch and SpaceX is the uh, SpaceX is actually running the launch on their own. So that's a pretty big thing. I think that'll lower a lot of the costs for NASA. So that'll allow NASA more to divert more of their current funding into developing technology and leave the actual space flight to the commercial companies. Yeah, and SpaceX has been doing a really good job of, you know, breathing new life into the uh you know, modern space programs by, you know, one of those things being the suits, right? And I think you know a lot about the suits. What, what about them is different from what astronauts are normally wearing? All right. So, yeah, the first thing, definitely the first thing, is the suits are, they, they look amazing. Like, come on. They look so cool. Okay, those people aboard the ISS, they'll be the cool kids of the ISS. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Like they they got onto the ISS looking like Daft Punk. <laughs> I don't know if you know Daft Punk, but there's a member that has a helmet exactly like it. Oh wow! Yeah. So uh, besides flexibility and range of movement, Drew, do you want to tell us what's in the umbilicals? Oh uh, yeah, the uh, they also have umbilicals that provide cooling and electronic input, as well as comms and pressure for the uh, for the astronauts. Yeah, so uh, that's extremely important because the early flight suits, they were very low tech. They were only meant to hold a little bit of pressure for as long as possible. And um, they didn't really have much electronics. These new spacesuits, not only are they better, uh, just like pressure wise, but they have all sorts of new tech. Uh, they have electronic inputs for the comms. Uh, they have data. They have life support monitoring, all that stuff. Uh, so, Dhruv, um, I, I noticed they did a little bit of pressure on the ground. Yeah, the ground pressure was 4 PSI, all the way up to 14 PSI. Oh, wow. That's pretty low. I would expect the... Um, so, I think in the case of a cabin depressurization, uh, they could pump the suits up to 14 PSI. So that's, that's pretty good. Um, so, Dhruv, do you want to tell us about the specialized Model X that they drove in? Oh yeah, dude, they drove like this awesome Model X, okay? It was outfitted with umbilical cords, as we said for everything before, the you know, cooling, suit power, life support, communications, monitoring, everything. It has a newer look, it's clean for the environment, and it's a partnership between Tesla and SpaceX, which were both, you know, uh, owned and founded by uh, Elon Musk. Yeah, and I think the core of that partnership is just... These companies, yeah, they have the same founder, but they are their partnership is key to developing the technologies. So um, I would say the newer look would definitely be like that futuristic look of the Model X. Um, what did you think of that NASA logo, the worm on the back? Okay, it's great that the worm is back. You know, everybody loves the worm, but the, yes. yeah, I gotta say they made it too big on the Model X. It was just put on the back. Like, why did you need to do that? It was yeah. too big. Yeah, it looks like this, you know, those like little kid cars, those little models. That's what it looked like. Yeah. Just like, it's cheap. Let's just slap that on there. It's visible. It's probably not going to get worn. That was disappointing. I mean, if they made it just a little bit smaller, that would have been amazing. 
I got to say, personally, I would have been hoping if it was like a bumper sticker, you know, just on the back, just a little NASA. Yeah. Um, I like the meatballs on the slide. For those of you who aren't, uh, for those of you who don't know, the worm is that red NASA logo with only the text, and the meatball is the blue circle with the, uh, with the orbit and red NASA text. Um, I don't know, man. A blue meatball? <laughs> I don't know about a blue meatball. Yeah. Um, hey, you never okay, know. So, uh, that blue meatball yeah. is the only thing with life. That's true. Yeah, so uh, moving on. Um, let's talk about the Falcon 9, that amazing rocket that we saw put the Dragon capsule in orbit today. So let's com- first let's compare it to the Soyuz. Uh, so um, it was a two-stage rocket in comparison to Soyuz's three stages. And the first stage is uh, reusable. As we all know, that's SpaceX's mark is um, reusable rockets. Yeah, and the Falcon 9 was the first, class, first orbital class reusable rocket, which is, and is capable of lifting up to 50,300 pounds. And it's also capable of lifting the Dragon capsule as it did today. And, you know, it was first launched in June 2010. It's a pretty old rocket, actually, but I mean, not nearly as old as the Soyuz, but it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty old. It's got some age. And it was first reused on uh, December 2015, which was amazing to see. You know, we've come a long way. Yeah. Uh, so the Falcon 9, it's a truly amazing rocket. Um, it uses liquid oxygen as an o- oxidizer and kerosene as fuel. Uh, the same fuels used in the Soyuz. And uh, the specific engine it used is the, te- uh, the SpaceX developed Merlin 1D and Merlin vacuum engines. So the first stage uses six Merlin 1D engines. And the second stage uses the one vacuum Merlin engine. Now I was just thinking, you know how SpaceX recently, recently developed the Raptor engine? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what if... So I, I actually, I think SpaceX is planning to replace the Merlin engines with the Raptor engine, which would be amazing because the Merlin... The, sorry, the Raptor engine has double the thrust of the Merlin engine. Yeah, that would be probably what would take us off into Mars and oh, yeah. you know, beyond. That would be my guess. You know, that, this thing could take us places. Yeah, I would hope so. I mean, that the new Raptor engine is amazing. Just like the Merlin engine was their start, I think the Raptor engine's really going to it's going to take the company a lot. It's going to take them a long way. Yep. And yeah. yeah, you can go. Uh, did you notice that ring breaking off the vacuum engine? Yeah, I actually did. Yeah, um so I believe that ring as SpaceX specified uh, was to hold the shape of the Merlin engine because it's pretty fragile and it's really thin. So in the atmosphere, it's supposed to hold the shape and keep it secure as well as uh, provide a little bit of cooling. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, and you know, none of this wouldn't have been possible without SpaceX's Dragon capsule, which is what's actually carrying the astronauts up into space and onto the ISS. So, you know, what makes it different from anything else that we've been using for the past few decades. Yeah, so the SpaceX crew Dragon capsule, or Dragon 2, um, it's cap- it was originally capable of carrying seven passengers to and from Earth orbit, uh, but uh, NASA asked for only four, which I believe is going to be the next mission of the Dragon capsule. All right, that's pretty good. And... Right now, it's the only spacecraft that's capable of returning significant amounts of cargo back to Earth, right? Yeah, uh, and um, it uses eight Super Draco engines. I believe we saw them fire after it separated from the second stage today. Yep. Yeah, and, and so it's, it's liquid fueled using the hydrogen nitrogen tetroxide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I heard they uh, made new parachutes for this. Do you want to? Yeah, their Mark II parachutes uh, were the ones that were originally used 
earlier. And you know, after a failure, they changed to Mark III, and those were recently tested on May 1st. And you know, those were a success. So the Dragon capsule uses four of these parachutes and deploys at 6,400 feet altitude. And the Dragon capsule is mostly automated for both flight and docking. Yeah, and I feel like that's what makes it a 21st century capsule. Is like, oh, it's like, yeah, it has those amazing touch screens, which definitely make it look 21st century. But I feel like the biggest thing was that it's automated. Most of it's automated. The, the astronauts themselves, the pilots, they don't do much. Everything's taken over by automation, AI. And I guess that's the future of spaceflight. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. I actually saw a website uh, earlier today. I think it was from SpaceX. It actually let you pretend to uh, dock the Dragon capsule into the ISS just to show you how hard it actually is. It's a very complex task. So that was a cool little thing they put up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, uh, the link is ISS-spaceflight, uh, something like that spacex.com i'm sure if you search up iss simulator you'll find it but yeah i love how they had all the physics were pretty accurate and all of that and yeah it shows how hard it is to do this so um drew what do you think this launch means for the future of spaceflight how do you well, think, I think we're going to see that, uh... how do you think we're going to see spaceflight in the future well, this, this launch is really setting the standard for future commercial launches, like, you know, from Blue Origin or uh, Virgin Galactic. You know, more private companies are going to be getting really into the uh, commercial space exploration sector, and they'll, maybe they'll even be taking humans into space like SpaceX did today. You know, it allows for more reliable crew capsules and more routes and methods to get to the ISS, and it gives NASA the time to the time and resources to actually work on their own stuff. Yeah, totally agree. And I really look forward to seeing more of these commercial crew flights in the future. Yeah, I think, you know, hopefully if you have not just NASA working on it, but multiple companies working on it, you might see them more often as well. This might really speed up the development of, uh, you know, aerospace. Yeah, I hope so. So um, I guess NASA's new model is that, instead of NASA owning the entire process, NASA's probably going to move towards more of just science and they're going to become a client for spaceflight. And what I think that'll do is that'll not only will that provide more competition in commercial space, but it'll be cheaper for taxpayers, less money on us. And then more of our tax money will go towards actual research and science and less of it will go into building expensive non-reusable rockets. And of course, um, it's, yeah, it's cheaper. Uh, the Falcon 9 launch today was $62 million. And the Falcon Heavy is uh, $90 million, with um, most other launches, with, like the Space Shuttle, going up to a billion dollars. So it's definitely going to lighten the load. Really cheap. Yeah. And I mean, especially you know, the more you reuse them, it'll get cheaper, right? Yeah, and space, that's what SpaceX model is, is reuse, make, make it better, then make it cheaper. All right, so we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back with some more tech. Hey, guys, we're back. Uh, we just took a quick break, and um, yeah, so... Drew, uh, what technologies do you think will define the next generation of the Falcon 9 and Dragon capsule, or just the next generation of SpaceX? Yeah, I think SpaceX has got a lot of promising stuff that they're working on. One of these things being the Raptor engines, which, as you said before, they're twice as powerful as the current Merlin engines that uh, SpaceX use. And you know, these things use you know, cleaner fuel, they have more thrust and better engine cooling. So these things could really be the future. You know, the Raptor is definitely what we're going to be using for, you know, things that need more thrust, like getting further out into space or, you know, just maybe when conditions are unfavorable for a regular engine to use, the Raptor might be able to pull through. 
Yeah, I really look forward to seeing that Raptor engine, mainly because a Raptor engine uses a methalox and hydrazine-based fuel instead of kerosene. So it'll, not only will it be more powerful, but it'll also be better for the environment. That's great. You know, Elon, Elon loves the environment. You know, he's got electric cars. Yeah, I uh, can't wait Solar to see. City. You know, the first launch I want to see with Starship, so we're going a little bit off track, but uh, the first launch I want to see with Starship is, is um, maybe we can launch like all of the Tesla models, like the entire sexy lineup, and just like cool. ha- have it look like a showroom in space, because the Starship should have the capability of that. Yeah, just you know what he did with the Falcon Heavy, just launching the Roadster, instead, you know, launch all the cars. That'd be, that would be awesome. That would be, be like amazing. the ultimate Tesla and uh, SpaceX collaboration. Definitely. Um, so what, what else, what other technologies do you think will define the next generation? Well, you know, things like stainless steel for the cleaner and faster production that it you know, gives and improved reusability as well. Definitely something that's going to be making uh, next generation space exploration cheaper, more accessible, and you know probably more often because now governments you know it doesn't cost as much to government, so they'll be more willing to just do it and you know get things done, you know, send something out into space. Yeah, and I really look forward to seeing what NASA does because I understand most of NASA's budget right now, or was with the space shuttle. Uh, when they used to launch rockets, was how do we... Most of their budget was spending money on making rockets. And I look forward to seeing... I, I look forward to seeing what they're going to do with that extra money that they have now. They're, now the, most of their money is going to be spent on paying the uh, commercial partners. So I think, I ho- I'm hoping this will be the end of long contracts. The end of like eight to 10 year contracts, right? Yeah. And I feel like that'll allow more competition. Just, uh, NASA would be like, hey, we need this mission to the moon. Uh, we want to launch on this date. Who can give us the best price and the capabilities? And that, that'll, that'll allow, be amazing. Yeah. And I think that'll allow for, um, there's a lot more competition, and then competition always leads to better technology. Definitely. And then, you know, once NASA doesn't have to work, uh, work on building these things themselves, they can start working on actually building technology, new technology, right? Yeah. And um, I guess that, that leads back to the competition in the commercial arena, and that should hopefully lead to improved reusability. I think SpaceX's goal is to have their at least their uh, one of their rockets, whether it might be the Falcon 9 or maybe an even newer rocket, to be easily, cheaply, and quickly reusable. Yeah, that that's definitely something that I think SpaceX is looking forward to. Yeah, what else do you think they might be looking forward to or getting to really soon? Uh, you know, their uh, Starship was something that we were talking about. And, you know, the Falcon 9, they could probably work a lot more with it, try and improve more parts of the reusability to, you know, allow more parts to be reused for cheaper as well, and getting cheaper or more durable materials so that they don't have to build, you know, maybe at some point we won't even have to build like stage two, you know, stage two could come back as well and just give the dragon capsule. I, I don't know. I'm just shooting things out there just to get the cost even lower than it is now. Yeah. I would really look forward to seeing how they would recover a stage two. Cause like we, uh, in the 19, 1980s, NASA started development on a single stage to orbit system. And their conclusions were pretty much it sucked because you can't cool it. So I'd love to see if um, SpaceX can find a better way or better a better method of single state to orbit 
compared to aero spikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then hopefully there's more capacity for Kuhn Cargo, but I guess Starship is going to take care of that as well with their 100-passenger capacity as well. I think, uh, do you know what the cargo capacity is? Uh, No, I don't. I don't have that on me right now. It was somewhere like around 150 tons or something. That's that's, that's, 150 tons? Yeah, that's getting really close to Saturn V. Seventy-five wow. range. So, uh, circling back to the Falcon Nine, um, what do you think the future of the Falcon Nine specifically is? Uh, the Falcon Nine, it's probably going to be you know licensed by the government even more to do even more missions. Mm-hmm. But I think eventually, you know, it's already been around since June two thousand ten. I'm really. Personally, I'm really hoping SpaceX doesn't stop innovating. I know I'm being a bit too optimistic about this, but I'm looking forward to, you know, the Falcon 10 or, you know, whatever's next generation for rockets that they're coming up with. Because I know for sure it's going to be something big. Yeah, definitely. And I really look forward to seeing a Raptor, Raptor engines on the Falcon 9 because I, I, that, I think that'll be a really big deal. That'll make the cost of launching probably even cheaper. Wouldn't you agree? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the methane, the, or the methalox, and um, liquid oxygen are much cheaper than kerosene. So and cleaner too. Yeah, I think that's a really big thing about SpaceX: uh, environmental impact. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and so going to the Dragon Capsule once again. Um, I really look forward to seeing Dragon Capsule go even further. Like maybe having a Dragon Capsule do entire missions without the ISS. Do you think that's going to be a possibility? For sure, for sure, yeah. I think, you know, if Dragon Capsule can go to the ISS and do, you know, uh, dock there and have its astronaut uh, have its passengers get on the ISS do whatever they need to do I don't see a reason why they couldn't do their own thing as well and how do you think the coming missions gonna look like uh, with the first official uh, dragon mission I believe that's gonna have four astronauts on it so what do you think that's gonna look like well, I think it's going to be an even bigger deal than this one now. You know, you have double the astronauts and they'll be doing their own mission as well. I'm definitely looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, and that, that's, that's really exciting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so where do you think this dragon, new Dragon capsule, Dragon 2, where do you think this is going to lead to in the future like besides reusability what do you what do, what do you think i have to say uh you know commercial space flight yeah. like you know you'll be able to go into space on a dragon capsule and, you know maybe not into space as well you can just go to the edge of space you don't have to go out into orbit or whatever but you can Go far enough that you can see space because I think, you know, actually getting into orbit would be a bit more expensive. So just to get the cost down, they could probably just take them up high enough to see space technically, but not leave the Earth's atmosphere. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I guess Starship might open that up because Starship, uh, SpaceX is trying to certify Starship to carry a hundred passengers. I wonder how a a board system in that would work. Like I, I believe SpaceX does not want to put an abort system on Starship. But like what if there's a complication with weather, just like happened on Wednesday? How do you think that'll look with a hundred people exiting a spacecraft? Uh well I think those people are definitely going to have to be well-trained. Like, you know, nowadays you can just hop on a plane and 
you know, you don't really have to do anything other than that. Just buy the ticket and get on the plane. But I think here they'll have to be really trained a lot before going on that trip. So, you know, a hundred people getting off, they need to know how to do it in an orderly fashion and safely make sure nobody dies. Cause you know, that would be a big problem. Definitely. Yeah. So I, I'm really hoping that the new suit, it's, it becomes cheap enough. I think it's already really cheap compared to those pumpkin suits that the astronaut, uh, that the space shuttle astronauts wore. Uh, but I hope those suits become like a new standard that going to space doesn't have to look baggy. It can look, it can look nice and sleek. Definitely. I think these are going to end up being the gold standard of what you'll be where you'll be wearing. Yeah. And I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the docking with the ISS. Uh, that's going to be in uh, 15 hours from now, right? Or 19 hours after launch. Yeah, so around 15, 16 hours. Is, yeah. Maybe 14, 14 to 16 hours from this recording. Yeah, uh, we tried to make the recording right after the launch so you don't miss anything when you're listening to this. Um, so, Drew, what do you... What was your initial reaction to the launch? What were you expecting, and then what did you see? Uh, you know, I was a bit hesitant, of course, because, you know, they did have a little bit of a malfunction yesterday with Starship. Of course, it's not related to the Falcon 9, but, you know, just knowing that, oh, God, we had another explosion just made me a little bit hesitant, and I was thinking, you know, we have passengers on board this time. This has to work. And, you know, once I saw it going up, you know, even further off, and then we saw the, you know, stage one uh, detach successfully and come back onto ground successfully, then I was really relieved. Yeah. Um, I, I really cannot wait for more launches of the Crew Dragon or Dragon 2. Um I, ho I hope this makes a, this inspires a new generation, maybe even the new Elon Musk, as they keep saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, what do you think the impact of this launch is going to have on people in general? Is it going to re-inspire that 60s space race kind of vibe? Or is it going to be like, oh, that's cool, and we just move on with our, with our lives being the same? I definitely think you know now that we're getting into commercial commercially available space flight this is definitely igniting a new interest among children you know we saw a lot of hype around this launch as well more so than on other spacex launches and i really think that yeah it captured the interest of a lot of young people mm -hmm. yeah and i really hope that those young people go on to make even better technologies I have to say, there has been a really big limiting technology factor over the past 60 years of spaceflight. Because I guess the true spaceflight has been over the past 60 years. Wouldn't you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that technology... I, I feel like the space shuttle was the biggest breakthrough, but it didn't turn out as well or as much of a dream ship as we expected. Yeah. I think, you know, SpaceX and the Falcon 9 are actually going to end up being that dream ship. I hope so. Yeah. So do you think they'll ever try anything like this with the Falcon Heavy? Uh, I, I don't know. I think with the Falcon Heavy, they could, and they could probably, you know, uh, build, a, build a new kind of capsule that could bring even more people into space for larger missions or anything else. But I think it's going to be used mainly for expeditions instead of, you know, bringing people there. Like a few people will be on board, but it won't be too many. I think, you know, it could be used to collect rocks from the moon or, you know, once we get to mining asteroids, 
it might be useful then as well. Yeah, and I have to say, the technology improvement over the just the past twenty to thirty years with the whole internet boom, the dot the dot bubble, all of that. Where do you think, or how close do you think we are to a Dyson sphere? Just if you think about okay, it, the past I, hundred years, how close do you think we are? I have to say, not very close. Like the, the true Dyson sphere idea, like this giant sphere around the sun. I don't think so, but I have seen some people, you know, talk about solar sails that are just, you know, these giant solar panels in space. I think that's a lot more uh, realistic for right now, given, you know, what we have and what we can do. Just giant fans of, you know, solar panels that are collecting energy from the sun in orbit around it. That would be more realistic, but a full sphere uh, not now. I don't think so. I see. I think I think that these new technologies they're 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 being developed really quickly and they're being developed really well. So I wouldn't be surprised. I would I wouldn't be surprised if we have some sort of like small start of a Dyson sphere, just like putting a couple of satellites in orbit near the sun, so we can capture some of its energy. Yeah, I can see that. Anyways, we went way off topic there. Um, what do you think is the true legacy of this launch? What is the legacy of this launch? Uh, you know, the legacy of this launch is going to be, everybody is going to remember that this was the first time that somebody other than the government put a human into space for the government. And all of a sudden, you know, there's, you know, the tables have really turned. All of a sudden now the government is going to be relying on companies to do the heavy lifting for them. Just the, you know, the, what's the term? Grunt work, you know, yes. the building of the spacecraft and development of it. Yeah. And people need to realize that this did not happen over the past five or, or even 10 years. Uh, NASA started this commercial crew program way back in like the early 2000s, 2000, 2002, right when SpaceX was founded. And I feel like that's, that's the significance is it wasn't the, specifically the commercial companies that wanted this whole commercial crew program, but it was really more of NASA asking companies, hey, you have a commercial crew program. Uh, sorry, we have a commercial crew cr program. And how can you make it better? How can you make spaceflight more reliable and cheaper? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Also, I just love the, the landing pad that the Falcon 9 landed on today. It's called, of course, I still love you. Yeah, I think that's amazing. That's beautiful. That was, yeah. Did that little touch of pop culture. So, a little touch of Elon. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, gu I guess that's what the... I have to say, Elon Musk brings a very, like, personalized kind of feel to his companies, right? Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a very personal energy. You know, you can you know that when you buy a Tesla, when you talk about Tesla, everybody has Elon Musk in the back of their minds. Like he's such a iconic figure. You know, everybody knows him. Everybody's like he's pretty cool. Recently, he said he said some stuff and done some stuff that has been a little bit controversial. You know, opening up the Tesla factories mm -hmm. here in California. Yeah, um, I have to say a lot of people don't really understand why Tesla and SpaceX work together besides the fact that, oh, Elon Musk is just trying to make more, comp more money. Uh, but that's not, that's not true, right, Drew? Um, Tesla supplies a lot of their electronics. Yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, it really fits into this bigger vision that Elon Musk has of, 
you know, bringing the world into a more futuristic state, you know, think of all the stuff that they've done, right? They brought, you know, they've really been accelerating technological development recently. You know, they brought reusable rockets and electric cars that actually work really well. Yeah. And I think this vision is just going to keep giving. Yeah. So um, going back to the SpaceX launch one last time. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure what NASA said, but they were saying somewhere, uh, so they were saying that the Dragon capsule is going to remain at the ISS for somewhere between oh, a couple hours to maybe even 114 days, depending on how well the launch went. Based on what you saw today, where do you think we are? Uh, I definitely think the launch went pretty well. So I'm going to be hoping for the former, you know, a couple hours. Um, I, I, I have to say, I really want them to stay there for a while. Because if they do stay there for that 114 days, it'll allow them to test a lot of the technologies in the Dragon capsule. Wait, are we talking about the Dragon capsule or the, dragon the capsule. crew? Uh, the, the the crew dragon capsule. Yeah, okay. because uh, the whole purpose of this launch, the reason they didn't just do a normal astronaut exchange at the ISS, is because this launch is supposed to test all the functionality of the dragon, of the crew dragon, before they actually launch a full mission on it. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go back into character now. <laughs> yeah, I definitely hope that they, you know, stretch it out a little bit, really put the Dragon capsule to its test, you know? Yeah. See if it can work long term. Yeah, and I really look forward to them improving the automation up to a point where the screens are just there for astronauts to watch what's going on. They don't have to put any put in any input. What do you think? Is Elon Musk going to put a game in those screens? <laughs> he did it with the Tesla. He did it. He with, did. He's going to do it with, with this. I think that, you know, if it becomes commercialized, then there's definitely going to be games on those screens. Um, I can't wait until SpaceX starts launching humans that aren't astronauts. It starts like having, I don't know, some like that one billionaire, that Japanese billionaire who bought a ticket for Starship. Something like that. So just to inspire people and say, this is the new era of spaceflight and anyone can go into space. You don't have to be an astronaut now. Well, I mean, not necessarily anyone. As you said, he's a billionaire. Okay. But yeah. I mean, you know, in the future, yeah. we're definitely going to get it so that, you know, you can go on a family vacation to space. The near future. I mean, near... On a cosmic scale, I'd say. Okay. Yeah. It might be a, in my opinion, it might be a while. Hmm. So, um, so as far as we know, or sorry, as far as is confirmed, uh, SpaceX is, SpaceX developed new parachutes. Uh, they did a really recent test of them on May first, so only thirty days before the launch, and. They are the safest parachutes or landing system ever made. And still, SpaceX was originally planning to land, uh, uh, land the Dragon capsule the same way as they land their Falcon booster. Which do you think of that? That's pretty good. You know, if they plan to land it that way, I'm not going to... I think they were discouraged because of the amount of certification that would have to go into that. But I think that'd be much, that's the next step in reusability is getting, ditching the water landing, ditching the, um, the parachutes, just having a full engine powered landing. Right. Yeah, I don't know how it might go this time, but definitely if they can reuse the capsule, I mean, if they want to go commercial, they have to reuse a capsule. Um, I feel like that's what SpaceX is about. 
yeah, their reusability. And the cheaper the reusability is, the closer they are to achieving their uh, their equilibrium as a company. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, moving on, NASA recently, a couple months ago, I believe, or maybe weeks, I don't know. No one can tell time in quarantine at this point. We've been here for so long. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. NASA released the lunar lander contracts. So I was really surprised to see SpaceX on that list with, with Starship. I think, you know, SpaceX was like the only choice that they could have gone with. That, that's like, you have to put that on there. Really? And yeah, you have to put SpaceX. They're the, they're the biggest name in the commercial space game. I mean, you know, you have Blue Origin on there as well. And I think, you know, Blue Origin can get some stuff done. They're a pretty good company. Of course, I was also expecting SpaceX, but I wasn't expecting them to say Starship. Yeah, Starship, you know, we haven't gotten, you know, we haven't gotten some very good news about Starship. Yeah, uh, their recent SN4 test uh, test ship, I guess you can call it. It was really a test tube uh, that blew up uh, on Friday, which is really sad because it was actually scheduled to do a 150-meter hop really soon. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, was, I really just was not expecting... Starship to be chosen by NASA because NASA is very cautious. They don't mm-hmm. want to throw money at something that they're not expecting expecting to get a return on. I mean, yeah, SpaceX is they're pretty good, but I don't think they're going to be able to pull it off by 2024. Not not at least not with the certification. Maybe. Yeah, and then did you did you hear about the NASA's plan? to launch all of um, all of Gateway in one rocket. Instead of assembling it in space, it's just a ground assembly and then one launch. Wow. Yeah. Do you think they'll be able to pull it off? Uh, I think so, yeah. They've done it before, but not with something as... I'm hoping Gateway is big, but I'm I'm feeling it's not going to be big. It's just going to be another, uh, what was the American space station? Skylab. Yes, Skylab. So Skylab was launched in one launch with the, using the, uh, the, um, the Saturn V. So the Skylab was launched one time, all of it, with almost no assembly in the, um, in the, uh in the saturn five so they pulled it off before maybe even starship if it's ready by the time i understand i just want to say like Mm -hmm. i think that you know them using starship even though you know it hasn't really been put through its hoops yet you know it hasn't been put to the test and shown that it works i think it shows that they're being a lot more open about what options they're willing to consider to get, you know, to get what they need to get done, done. Yeah, and I guess that was the biggest flaw of NASA and why NASA is now forced to rely on commercial partners is because NASA is a government agency and they need to get everything perfect or they lose their funding, right? Yeah, that's true. So if NASA ever gets something wrong, like the space shuttle, they lose a lot of funding. They can lose billions of dollars just because something went wrong. And I guess that's what that's what's held NASA's innovation back is their model is get everything right the first time at the cost of speed. And I guess SpaceX is just, hey, new technology, make a make a rough draft of it. Send it up into orbit, it blows up, find out when, what went wrong, and do it again. And I guess that's what's gotten SpaceX so far. Yeah, I think, yeah, definitely SpaceX is a lot more just just do it. 
you know, don't <laughs> worry about funding because, you know, they're well-funded. They have, you know, Elon Musk isn't going to defund them because they messed up. And while NASA, it's a lot more high risk. Right. So I guess this launch is done. We're definitely going to see more of Dragon in the future. And I have very high hopes that it will survive the re-entry. Um, I mean, it's SpaceX and they're partnered with NASA. I doubt much is going to go wrong. So what, how do you think Blue Origin and the Boeing Starliner are going to look like? Because I hear they're going to launch really soon as well. So yeah, what, what do you think of the Boeing Starliner? I mean, it, it's, it, it takes that Apollo kind of look. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah, um, I don't and, know, I'm really you know, disappointed. I think, yeah, and then, you know, Blue Origin is also working for the uh, Artemis, Artemis project. So I think yeah. Blue Origin with Boeing and SpaceX and NASA, you know, they've all formed this strong team. And, you know, everybody there looks really promising. So I yeah, think these well, are definitely going to get us to the moon. I look forward to seeing that. But one thing I want to say is Boeing and SpaceX are Boeing and SpaceX are competitors as well as uh, um, as well as Blue Origin and SpaceX. They're all competitors. So the real connection or the actual collaboration slash partners in in the airline industry or not airline the air the space flight industry is going to be everyone partnered with nasa they have to work together with nasa because nasa they have the knowledge of how things will work right yeah nasa is you know they've been doing this for a long time they know how this process goes yeah all right drew it's a lot of fun talking with you about all this stuff uh, it's yeah, really thank you interesting for having me yes awesome all right. If you enjoyed that episode, feel free to leave a review. And um, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to um, send us an email. Uh, the intro and outro music is Dream by Benson. You can find them at uh, www.bensound.com. And, of course, at Astra.